Hey, I want to take just a moment and, and talk to you about something that this first of the year, this kickoff, some of the things that may be on your mind. I want to talk to you about a scripture. It's 1 Timothy chapter 4, and if you'll read along with me, it says, If you explain these things to the brothers and sisters, Timothy, you will be a worthy servant of Christ Jesus, one who is nourished by the message of faith and the good teaching you have followed. Do not waste time arguing over godless ideas and old wives' tales. Instead, now pay attention to this, instead train yourself to be godly. Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better, promising benefits in this life and the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. This is why we work hard and continue to struggle, for, the, for our hope is in the living God who is the Savior of all people and particularly of all believers. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for this day. We thank you for the beginning of a new year. Many of us are hitting reset and, and prepping, God. We're looking back at 2016 and saying we can do better in 2017, Lord. And, and many have said that and they've gathered here today, some who know you, some who have a relationship with you, some who are, who are trying to figure this God thing out. Lord, we welcome them all because we know you have something in store for each one of us in this room today. And open your word, speak to us clearly. Speak to those that are watching online or from our other campuses, Lord. Just let your Holy Spirit do his work in Jesus' name. Amen. How many of you know what the number one New Year's resolution is year after year after year? Yeah, I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to get in shape. I'm going to quit drinking pop. I'm going to quit smoking. I'm going to quit barbecue chicken. I'm going to, you know, I mean, people are, it's all about getting healthier, right? And so many of us have, have thought through this and processed through this. Now, I can tell you, ladies, what the men are thinking right now. The men are thinking, I'm joining a gym. I'm not going to, I'm going to eat nothing but raw celery and broccoli and grilled chicken and drink nothing but water. And I'm going to start working out in the gym and baby in three months, I'll have broad shoulders. I'll have a 25 inch waist. I've ripped pecs and abs. My muscles will be bulging out. I'm bringing sexy back. You know what I mean? That's just, that's the way men are thinking. Now, man, you may not have said it, but you thought it, right? And we do that every year. We, we want to get healthier. I, I remember for me the best shape of my life in, in junior high and high school because I was a wrestler. Now, I was one of those kids, one of those that started wrestling in kindergarten and, and all the way up through that. And man, I will admit as a former wrestler that wrestlers are a different breed of people, right? I mean, we, we tend to push ourselves to the extreme and then find some ground beyond the extreme in our training. And how many of you know a wrestler in here? You, I see some of you shaking your head and smiling. You know those people. You know who we are. And even the way that we dress, do y'all remember the tight little uniforms that we call them a singlet, but you know, it's look like a one-piece bathing suit. You know, we, we would wrestle. As a matter of fact, I've got a picture here I want to show you. That's me in fourth grade. Oh, I miss those days. 30% less body fat, 90% more hair. It was just great days. But yeah, just wrestlers, we, we tend to go to the extreme in everything, and it's, it's just kind of beat into you. As a matter of fact, I want to take you with me and paint a picture. My first day at high school wrestling. So we walk into the room, and it looks like this. First, let me tell you what it felt like. It was 90 degrees. Our wrestling coach had turned the heat on and kicked the thermostat up to 90 degrees. You couldn't even hardly breathe in that room. And then he covered the floor entirely in mats. There were no benches. There were no chairs. The only other thing in the room, there were four huge trash cans, and they were double bagged. It made me kind of scratch my head and say, why are those double bagged? And there was one in each corner. And coach starts to give us a speech on day one. He says, this is my wrestling room. These are my wrestling mats. He said, you will throw up today. 
You will lose your lunch, I guarantee you, by the end of this practice. And if you throw up, you cannot throw up on my wrestling mats. There are four trash cans, one located in each corner of this room. You can throw up in any of those trash cans. There are 22 other wrestlers in this room. You can throw up on any of the 22 wrestlers, but you cannot throw up on my mats. And he paused for a moment, and one kid sheepishly raised his hand, and he said, Coach, what if the trash cans are full and we can't get to them? He said, throw up in your mouth and swallow it. But you do not throw up on my mats. I mean, he was serious. And then coach steps up and he goes, guys, it's time to start some drills. And now in my mind, a drill is a power tool that you put a sharp metal bit on and, and, and it spins it fast enough where it'll go through metal or through wood and sometimes even through concrete. And by the end of the day, I thought that he named it the right thing. We went through some drills. You know, he was spinning us. We did every kind of workout you can imagine. We, we stretched our body in ways and contorted our body in ways. I didn't know I could stretch it while I was warming up. And then after all the working out and the running and the stretching, he said, now we're going to do one-ons and one-offs. Now, one-ons and one-offs, I'll explain to you what that was. We would have one minute that we would get on the mat, and he would put us in a situation. He would tell us offensively what we had to do and defensively what we had to do in that moment, either to get out of that situation or to turn that situation into a point. And for one minute, we would wrestle as hard as we could and just go after it, just like it was a real match. And then we would get a minute where we would step off the mat, and we would rest or throw up if you had to, and, and we would have that one-on-one-off. That was one round. We did 12 rounds of one on one-offs. Now, I need to remind you, it was 90 degrees in there. There were 22 teenage boys in that room. Can you imagine the aroma during the one-ons and the one-offs beginning to rise up? As a matter of fact, one of those guys told me, say, hey, my secret weapon's this. I don't shower for two days before a wrestling match. And then the day of the wrestling match, I don't even put deodorant on. And my secret weapon, I get them in a headlock and I begin to pull that head deep into that armpit. Ah, yeah, you can imagine, that was a secret weapon. And sure enough, one after another and then another and then another wrestler started lining up at the trash cans. Yep, coach was right. Many lost their lunch. That even helped the aroma a little bit in the room that day. You may say, why did you put yourself through this day after day preparing for your weekly duels? Why did you, you go through it time after time? And you know what our coach was doing? He was teaching us that hard work beats talent every time. And so at the end of the week when we had a duel and we stepped up to that wrestling match, I could tell you that guy across from me had not put me through anything that I hadn't already been through yet. Those drills and the, the workouts and the 90-degree temperature and pushing myself to an extreme prepared me for the real battle in that moment. And that's actually what Tim, Paul is telling Timothy, a young preacher here. He actually says this. He says, you have to train yourself to be godly. How do we train ourselves to be godly? The same way I trained in wrestling. You do spiritual drills. You have to set up a routine. You have to do things that are bringing you closer to God on a daily basis. It has to become a real discipline, a, a training regimen. And the great thing about training for godliness is it's for good for here and for eternity. So I'm just going to give you some simple, practical ways to train yourself in godliness. Number one, if you're taking notes, work the word. The word of God, God's word, the Bible. The Bible is alive, it's relevant, it's powerful. It is something that you've got to begin to learn to work on a daily basis, just like I was in training and wrestling. And Hebrews 4 tells us this. For the word of God is alive, not dead and outdated. It's alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and 
desires. You see, when we begin to work the word of God, it actually begins to work you. It begins to cut away what doesn't need to be in your life. And it begins to build up those things that are healthy and strong in your life. It does surgery on you. I'm working the word. I'm reading it and learning it every day, but it is working me as well. I made a commitment many years ago to spend time daily in God's word. It's one of the first things I do when I wake up in the morning. And, and I, I remember several stories, but one in particular stands out where God's word began to work me over pretty good. You see, when I was younger, I actually used to have a real problem with anger. I wasn't one of those guys that would get angry and, and, and be abusive and, and do crazy things. I was the, the scary guy in the corner that would get angry and I would, I would get really quiet and I would, I would soul up and I would get a scowl on my face and I would cross my hands and I would just sit there staring and glaring. And, and my wife would say, baby, what's wrong? And I'd say, nothing's wrong. Any of y'all know anybody like that? Hey, don't point. Don't say names, but we know people like that. And they just let it build and build and build and build until one day the anger takes over. And I remember one of those days. My wife and I were having this intense moment of fellowship. Some of you have had those. And at the same time, I'm trying to fix our refrigerator door. It's the refrigerator we got when we got married, so it's old. And every time you'd open the door, the bottom of it would just fall, like there was only one hinge holding it on. And so I'm trying to fix that. I'm frustrated with the refrigerator. My, my wife is here, and we're going through this intense moment of fellowship. And I, I didn't mention I'm a wrestler, and wrestlers don't like to lose at anything, right? And so I'm wanting to win this intense moment of fellowship. And she has to go run an errand right in the middle of our fellowship. Two minutes after she left, I'm already boiling over. The door falls off and lands on my right foot, just right on my big toe. Man, it just was more than I can take. I rear back and I hit that fridge as hard as I could. And the fridge didn't move, but my right pinky knuckle did. <laughs> Broke it clean off. Hey, I, I forgot to mention I was a youth pastor at this time. Yeah. I show up at the doctor's office. He was an elder on our board. And I'd explain to him what I did. Then I had to go tell my, my pastor and my staff what I had done and why I did it. And then every teenager and every parent that ran into me, they would say, what happened to your hand? And I would have to explain what I did. It was extremely embarrassing, extremely frustrating. And then one day I was reading in the word. I was working the word. And this scripture st stood out to me. Ephesians 4 said, and don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry for anger gives a foothold to the devil. And that just hit me. I was actually sinning by letting anger control me. The word began to cut me deep all the way to the core. Matter of fact, I was so deeply convicted. I went and I, 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 I repented before God. I repented before my wife. I repented to my children. I repented to my youth group. Like it was cutting and working on me. I didn't realize that when that anger controlled me, it was literally sin in the eyes of God. And from that moment forward, I determined to let the word cut that away. Recently, my 17-year-old son, he literally said this. Michelle, my wife, was in the room. He said, Dad, I wish you would yell at me or something when I do something wrong. You just sit there quietly and you discipline me uh, without getting emotional. And it makes me really nervous. I had worked the word and the word worked me. That's what God's calling you to do. I'm talking about how to, how to build that up, how to discipline yourself, how to really grow in your godliness and become who God's called you to be. If you make this a daily habit, you won't be the same person in 2017. If you will work the word, God will work you. We even have a few things just to make it easier. You've got now, if you've got a smartphone, you could download the Bible app and you can read the word wherever you're at, whenever you're there. 
There's also some great little devotionals in there you can do. There's even a great devotional on anger. You can see me later. I've been through that one. Maybe you're new to Christ. Maybe you're, you're new to Jesus. Maybe this is your first day of just like, man, I just need to serve the Lord. Where do I start, Pastor Jason? Read the book of 1 John. It's got some great foundational truths in it. And, and even it only has five chapters. So you can read a chapter a day and then come back next Sunday and say, I read an entire book of the Bible. It's a great place to start. When we're talking about training ourselves to be godly, we're talking about, number one, you have to work the word. Number two, you have to pump up the prayer. Pump up the prayer. Do you remember those one-on and one-off drills that I mentioned earlier? Remember we did 12 of those, 90 degrees, 22 smelly teenage boys. You, you got the picture? Why do we do those? In those moments, we would be wrestling just like we're in the middle of a real wrestling match. And I would be doing it in front of my coach in a safe place to where when I made a mistake, he could help me correct that mistake. He could show me what I did wrong. And with his wisdom and his years of experience and his abilities, help me to get better at it. And I didn't lose points for doing the wrong thing in that moment. Then when I got into the real wrestling match, the real battle, I was prepared. I was ready to go. The mistakes had been corrected. and I was ready to win that battle because I knew the right things to do. It's the same way when you're praying. You're stepping into the presence of our Heavenly Father who is much wiser. He even sees all of eternity, past, present, and future right in front of him at the same time. And he is able to tell you what's going to happen next. When you're spending time pumping up in prayer, you're spending time before the Lord. He is actually preparing you for the battle you have ahead of you. As a matter of fact, his son Jesus, came down to this earth and he took on every kind of temptation that we faced and defeated it so he could show us a way out. Hebrews 4 tells us that for this reason he, that's Jesus he's talking about, had to be made like them, fully human in every way in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Listen to verse 18. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. When you spend time in prayer, God's getting you ready for the real battles. You're doing your drills in his presence. And when you make a mistake, it's okay. In his wisdom, he corrects. This was a daily discipline of mine for years. And I'll never forget one of the times it just really stood out to me big time. In 2002, my wife and I, we quit our jobs. We sold our home. We took our kids and we moved to a new community to start a brand new church. Now, we didn't have any land. We didn't have any money. We didn't even have any people. It was us and one other family. We were literally going door to door and inviting people to this elementary school to have church with us. I'll never forget our first service. We had two guests show up, and one of them was my, my friend's next-door neighbor, and he accepted Jesus that day. So half the church got saved. It was a revival. Like, it was awesome. The book of Acts was happening right before our eyes. Well, we were working hard night and day to try to build relationships and win as many people to Jesus as possible. And eight months into that, my six-year-old daughter got really sick. She began to get dark circles under her eyes. She was having struggles sleeping at night. She was going to the bathroom continually. She was, she was really dehydrated. We couldn't keep her hydrated. And nothing that we tried was working. And one Sunday morning, we took her to the ER because she was so lethargic. And there in the ER, they ran some tests, and the doctors came back, and they said, Mr. 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 and Mrs. Morris, your, your daughter has type 1 diabetes. And I was crushed. 
Like here was this life-controlling disease that my six-year-old daughter is getting right in the middle of planning your church, God. I don't understand this. I went into the chapel of that little hospital, and I out loud had it out with God. I was real, raw, and honest. You have betrayed me. I am broken. I'm hurting. We sold our home. We gave up good jobs. We moved our kids out of great school system to come and plant this church in this community. We're living in a house we don't like. We're reaching out to people that we, we do love. All of those people, we're, we're going through all of this, and I'm... I'm going at it with God, and if you'd have walked in, you might have had me committed. Like, I'm having a real raw conversation with him, honest about how I feel. And in that moment, because I had prayed, I was able to hear the voice of God. And he spoke peace into my heart immediately. He calmed my soul immediately. He showed me grace and mercy and love. But I'd been pumping up the prayer. I'd been spending time in prayer every morning. So when God spoke, I recognized his voice. He actually took over that moment and did something miraculous in my heart and in my life. And I immediately had calm and peace. Now, God hasn't healed my daughter. She's 20. I still believe that he will. I pray for it every day, but I face it with peace. Because my God spoke to me. Because I was in prayer every day. I recognized his voice. The amazing thing is the very next day we're there in the hospital and Jessica had to stay overnight. And so they have an IV in her and they're trying to rehydrate her. At the same time, they're pumping in insulin to get her blood glucose levels, you know, to where they need to be. She's six years old and about this long, you know, laying in that bed. Tiny girl. And she's got all these stuffed animals around her that her friends and family had brought when they came to see her in the hospital. And my six-year-old girl says, Daddy... I'm more blessed than most kids, aren't I? With the tubes hanging out of her arms. The Lord took a moment to speak through a six-year-old girl to me. And I said, yeah, baby girl, you're more blessed. We're more blessed than most people. If you spend time in prayer every day, you run the drills. You spend time in the presence of the Father. When his voice speaks, no matter what you are going through, you will be able to make it. There's a great scripture, Philippians 4, says this. Do not be anxious about anything. Listen to this. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God filled that hospital room because I had spent time in prayer and I was pumping up prayer and I was with God. And what God will do, he will steal your heart, your mind. He will give peace that the people around you don't even understand. We're talking about how to train ourselves to be godly. You've got to work the word. You've got to pump up the prayer. And the third way, you have to train yourself to be godly. You have to cut weight. You've got to learn to fast. Remember what Paul's telling Timothy. He says this, physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better. Promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. And we've got to keep this scripture in mind when we're hearing what God is speaking to us, when he's calling us to times of fasting. Some of those benefits in this life can only be unlocked as we fast and we pray and we give ourselves totally over to God. That's what fasting is about. And and some of those benefits that we unlock here on, on earth will actually carry us on into eternity. That's what God says. I mean, we've got to fast and pray and seek his face. And fasting is just giving up something and taking that time and spending it with the Lord. I remember in wrestling, we used to have to, to get to a certain weight to be competitive. You know, you saw how muscular and, and strong and amazing I was, you know, in fourth grade. I think my senior year, I was 147 pounds. I think that was wet when they weighed me too. I mean, it was just, I didn't have this great physique, but so I didn't have to cut weight. Like some guys just go crazy and cut their weight. I just had to cut my calorie intake a little bit, keep working out and I could get there pretty quickly. 
But I can remember when I would, you know, I was 15 years old and they're saying, hey, Jason, you can't have pop, you can't have cake, you can't have cookies, you can't have tacos, you can't have cheeseburgers, you can't have chicken fried steak, you can't have mashed potatoes and gravy, you can't have anything that tastes good. <laughs> right? That's hard for a 15-year-old. There was a battle raging inside of me. You know, I, I wanted all of those things, and I'd, I'd get weak, and I'd feel like my stamina was gone. And, you know, do you think Coach felt sorry for us? No. He turned it up to 90 degrees, and he ran us through the same drills, and he pressed us even harder in those weak moments. And, and you may say, why did he do that? He taught us something. He taught us that a lot of your quit is in your mind, not your body. And it's the same way with fasting. A lot of your quit on God is not in you're not in your heart, it's in your body. You're letting the flesh control your decisions and your desires. And that fasting and praying is what God is calling us to. You actually literally give up something. It may be food. It may be, some of you may be fasting. If you can't fast food and drink only liquids, you may, because of your physical situation, you may have to give up something like caffeine and, and sugar or, dare I say, social media. Don't be nudging people around you. Um, or, or television. Or, or you give up something like that and you take that time that you would spend doing those things and you, you go after God and you pray and you read his word and you worship him and you seek him. And during those times, God begins to unlock some crazy things and do some amazing things in your life and what you're doing is you're telling yourself the body's not in control the the spirit's in control here and fasting is important to us if we want to grow ourselves and develop our disciplines and be godly when you fast you say to the old flesh with all of its lust and desires no but to the the spirit the eternal part of you yes I know that uh, some of you are saying, Pastor Jason, if I had to give up fried chicken and cheeseburgers and wild buffalo wild wings and I had to give up, you know, my pop and I, had to, I would grow closer to God, I'd die and meet my maker. You know, I can't do that. I'm not saying it's going to be easy. I'm saying it's going to be amazing if you will just do that. We're getting ready for two weeks of fasting and prayer, and you heard Pastor Herbert talk about it. And I want to share this great verse from Isaiah 58 that goes right along with it. Is not this the kind of fasting I've chosen? To loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Is, not, is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? When you see the naked, to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood. Listen to verse 8. Then your light will break forth like the dawn. Your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and he will say what? Here am I. Did you catch that? Then, if you do this, this, then this is what will happen. Then means that after you do the first thing, after you fast, after you pray, then your healing comes, then it will appear, then you'll cry for help, and God will say, here I am. God will literally begin to pull back the blinds over your eyes, and he'll say, this is where I'm at, so you can grow closer to him. That's what fasting and praying and seeking him does. I remember a time I'd mentioned earlier, I've been in ministry over 25 years now, there's a time when I got my priorities out of whack. I'd actually been in ministry for 20 years. I'd put some priorities in front of my family that didn't belong there. I, I was, wasn't being the husband, the father, the man of God that God wanted me to be. I wasn't living in sin like the world would call sin. I wasn't doing bad things. I was a good guy, but I was definitely not honoring God with my life. And so I stepped down out of full-time ministry. My wife and I knew that was what had to happen. That's when I started attending people's church, actually. 
And while I was attending people's church here, Pastor Herbert knew what I was going through, and he just let this be a place of healing. I, I started greeting. I was, I was opening doors for people and, and greeting them. And just uh, and I was taking time. I had spent time with a, a small group of men on Wednesday nights, and I was growing in my, my faith there. And Pastor made it a safe healing place where I could just work my 9 to 5, and I could actually come here, and, and my family relationships being restored, and my, my, my counseling time is not being taken up. I'm going to a professional counselor, and I'm learning all of these things and how to get better. And our second year here at People's Church, it was January of 2011. Pastor got up and he, he talked about a two-week fast and he invited all of us to come be a part of it. My wife and I took our kids home and we set them down and we explained them fasting is when you give up something. And during that time, you go and you pray and you read your Bible and you worship. And we're going to do that for two weeks. Go think about what you need to fast and come back and talk to us. My son, he was young at that time. He runs in and goes, I've got it. I'm fasting showers. Oh, he's so excited, and he's just going to... I said, I don't think that was the Lord, Jace. How about cartoons, you know? After that two weeks, God just took all of that healing he was doing, and he put a nice bow on it. Michelle and I even felt the Lord speaking to us that it's time to go back into full-time ministry. We were ecstatic. We didn't know if we would ever be in ministry again full-time. We, we thought just serving here. She was serving on the worship team. We were happy and loving it. But when God said, you can come back into full-time ministry and do what I called you to do for the rest of your life, we were so fired up. And I, I, I talked to Pastor Herbert. I said, Pastor Herbert, would you be praying with us? This is what the Lord's speaking to our heart. Just pray we find the right place, the, the right staff, the right team that God wants to knit our hearts together with, the vision he wants us to help carry. And he said he would. Then he came back shortly after that and said, hey, have you ever thought about going on staff at People's Church? And I was like, now, God, you're showing off. You know what I mean? Like you are putting an exclamation point at the end of your statement of healing. You are going above and beyond what I ever thought, dreamed, or imagined. I could literally serve full time in the house that brought healing to me and my family. Like, God, that is incredible. I mean, he was doing this incredible miracle, not only healing me, but then restoring me. And not restoring me, then giving me an opportunity to be a part of such a life-giving church. He blew my mind in that moment. And that's what God has in store for you. Out of that time of fasting and praying, when you fast then, God will say, here am I. Next Sunday, we kick off two weeks of fasting and praying, the 8th through the 21st. I'm standing here just like Pastor Herbert did that day. I'm saying, will you come with us? Will you join us on this journey? Pastor, I can't physically fast food. That's fine. If you physically cannot fast food, you can fast certain types of food. Leave the donuts and the cookies alone. Put all the sugar down. Put the pop down, the coffee down, water. Maybe you can do a Daniel's fast where it's just fruits and vegetables. You can actually read more about that on our website, peopleschurch.tv. Go there and click on the fasting link. It'll explain all of that. But for two weeks, would you give up something? Maybe social media, maybe cable TV, maybe, maybe something else that's taking up your time. And then set that a time aside and give it all to God. Spend that entire time where you're, you're praying and you're worshiping and you're seeking him. On all of our campuses, we're going to be opening up the, the building at 6 a.m. and at noon, Monday through Friday for those two weeks. You can come and join several others as we're going to pray together and seek the Lord together. It's easier to fast with other people, right? It's hard to go eat a hamburger with your friends at work and you not eat. But when you can come to a place like this and fast and pray and seek the Lord, what an incredible time it's going to be. And then even on the 8th and the 15th, those Sundays, we're all gathering. All the metro campuses are coming here to the Oklahoma City campus, all of us together. And we're going to worship the Lord together while we're fasting and seeking his face. And I can promise you this. If you will do this, 
God will put an exclamation point at the end of this fast that blows your mind, that goes above what you could ever think, dream, or even imagine, just like he did with us, and he's done that many times since then. I would challenge you today, would you go after God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength? Would you join us on this fast? Hebrews 12 and 1 says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off, let us cut off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run the endurance, run with endurance the race God has set before us. You know, some of the things hindering you from running the race that God has set before you in 2017 isn't sin. But it's still weight. It's, it's, it's still focused on fleshly things rather than spiritual things. And what God wants to do for you today, he wants you to cut that weight and to leave it behind. And fasting helps you do that. When you say no to the flesh and yes to the Holy Spirit and no to, to this old fleshly man with all of its desires and yes to the eternal part of you, the part that God placed in you that he breathed into you. When you say yes to that during this time of fasting, God begins to do miracles and cut that weight so you can run fast. Are you ready today? Will you cut the weight? Will you run with me? Today we've talked about three simple things you can do to train yourself in godliness. Number one, work the word and it'll work you. Pump up the prayer. We've got to spend time in God's presence every morning. And we've got to cut the weight. We've got to fast. We've got to go after God with everything we have within us. You know the irony of all of those things? God is not the one who has to make the step you do. You're the one in control of whether that happens or not. God is waiting. He's wanting it. He, is, he, he desires that. He sent his only son, Jesus, to die so that you could experience all of these incredible things. He's just waiting for you to do that. And there's a great scripture in, in the book of James 4 and 8. It says, if you draw near to God, he will draw near to you. So you open that word. You begin to work the word. You take a step toward God. You know what God does? He takes a step towards you. You begin to pray and seek him. You pump up the prayer every morning. You're, you're listening for his voice. You're going after him. You're taking a step toward him. You know what God's doing? He's taking a step towards you. And then when you begin to fast and pray, the Bible says here that we're actually cutting off weight so we can run the race. That's when you run toward God. And he runs toward you. He says, here am I. God's calling you to train yourself in godliness. The physical training is good. Training in godliness is amazing with benefits now and for eternity. Will you answer the call and step up and be everything that God has in store for you in 2017?